0: A little over a decade ago, New York policymakers embraced the idea of managed long-term care plans to oversee the services for New Yorkers on Medicaid who are chronically ill or disabled and want to remain in their community. The move away from a fee-for-service model and the embrace of private middlemen was billed as a way to limit the state's fiscal liability for these expensive patients, with the pitch being that they would coordinate and direct services in a cost-effective manner." The reality has not worked for the state or patients, according to a coalition of workers, home care agencies, and key Democratic state lawmakers who want to largely extricate managed long-term care plans from the delivery of home care services. To discuss the issue, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Helen Schaub, political director for 1199 SEIU, whose members include home care aides. Welcome to the show, Helen.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So what do you see as the shortcomings of managed long-term care plans for the New Yorkers who have their care overseen by these private health insurers?
1: We think that the plans are really just taking administrative dollars and profit out of the system without adding a lot of value. They're not doing a lot of care coordination. The aides are actually employed by the companies that the plans pay. So it becomes just an extra layer of administration that we think takes money out of the system instead of putting it where it needs to go, which is paying for more services and ensuring that aides can be compensated properly.
0: If I'm a New Yorker, though, who's in this system and looking for services, what does that mean to me? Does it mean that I'm not getting necessarily the best quality of care or are these all problems that I don't really care about because they're out of sight, out of mind?
1: I mean, I think for most New Yorkers who receive home care, the thing that they care about the most is the person who's arriving, the worker who's arriving to deliver that care. And if that person is able to be there on time, is able to stay and perform the the support that they need, I think that's what people value the most. And we think that the system ought to be investing in those services directly rather than allowing these middlemen to take dollars out of the system.
0: Are there any metrics or studies that you guys point to that indicate that the quality of care is not there under this model, that there is the lack of coordination? Because we spoke with someone from the managed long-term care plan space uh, in early December, and they argued that their patients are happy with the services, that they're meeting their needs. So, So where is the disconnect, and is there any sort of evidence that you point to?
1: Well I think from the patient's perspective it's very difficult to distinguish the services that they get which are very important from the plan and the role of the plan and I think many people would be surprised to know how little the plan actually does if you speak to the providers who employ the aids they would say they really do a lot of the care coordination it's the aids themselves and some of the folks at the providers that really do a lot of the Discussions with the families, making sure that the services are correct. Oftentimes they're subcontracted to do that by the plans. And the plans role really becomes a purely administrative role. And when you isolate that, we think it doesn't add the kind of value that the state ought to be getting for billions and billions of dollars in spending.
0: Well, let's turn to the perspective of the home care workers, as well as the agencies that actually do uh, employ them. What does having an administrative middleman mean for them?
1: Well, one thing it means is that they have a very difficult time understanding the money. So last year, the state, the legislature voted for an increase for home care workers. They added $2 2 dollars an hour to the rates that they play the, the paid the plans the equivalent of 2 dollars an hour and much of that money did not get to the providers and therefore did not get to the workers and the state really has no way of tracking that money much less the workers and the providers so there's a lot of fighting back and forth trying to ensure the money gets through the system we think it would be much more transparent and direct if the state paid the providers directly, then the workers can find out how much their providers are getting paid, ensure that that money gets to where it needs to go in supporting the workforce.
0: You mentioned that idea of money essentially being siphoned off before it gets to its end spot that lawmakers and Governor Hochul intended. But again, this comes back to the sort of complicated nature of this issue, because when speaking with the managed long-term care plans, they say it's, you know, categorically false that they're siphoning off dollars and that the arrangements that they have all over the state are very complicated and services that they're paying for can be more than minimum wage in some cases. And basically, they they argue that they're paying everybody what they're owed. Is this a case of an overly complicated system and maybe they're right, or is the premise that they're laying out there not right and they're hiding behind the lack of transparency?
1: I would say it is an overly complicated system and it should not be. Uh, You know, when you think about comprehensive health insurance, then there, you know, you can understand the role of the insurance company. They're contracting with many different types of providers, coordinating a lot of different types of care for the managed long-term care plans. They are really only coordinating one service. It's home care. 85% of the dollars are spent on providing home care aids to people in their homes. There's a few other smaller services, but the vast majority of the money goes to home care services. It is a needlessly complicated system to pay these plans for them to have all of these different contracting arrangements, which nobody uh, has good information about, in order to provide this one service. Many other states, in fact, other states have moved from using insurance companies to paying for the services directly because they recognize that it is a needlessly complex system to deliver one basic and very necessary service.
0: Well, I want to get to the alternative that you're backing. But first, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room. And we're speaking with Helen Schaub, the political director for 1199 SEIU. So what is the alternative that you'd like to see New York embrace?
1: So we would call it managed fee for service. So instead of paying the plans right now, they get paid a per member per month amount. It's about $5,000 a month. And then they pay for the services out of that. It also you know, gives them a financial incentive, frankly, to avoid the consumers that need a lot of care, who are more expensive, and seek out consumers who need less care, where the plans can make greater profit. Instead of doing that, the, the state can pay directly for the services, set a rate so everybody knows what the providers are paying. The workers can hold those providers accountable. Providers are being paid. The workers can hold those providers accountable for making sure that money gets down to the workers, and then separately, you can pay for a care management entity. That would be required by federal law to have a care management entity that is not the provider to ensure the services are coordinated. But instead of giving all the money there, like they do with the plans, they would just pay simply for the care management services uh, and ensure that we're eliminating all of these unnecessary administrative costs and profit. We think that would save the state about three and a half billion dollars a year uh, to just pay for the providers, to pay the providers for the services directly and then separately for the care management services.
0: You mentioned embracing that fee for service model. But traditionally, the critique of that idea is that the focus is on getting people as much services and care as required and not necessarily the care and services they need with a focus on the overall quality and outcome. So how in this model that you're proposing do you ensure that people are only getting the services that uh, they need?
1: Well, that was really the promise 10 years ago, right, that managed care was going to come in and they were going to manage these services correctly and do exactly that. But it turns out that the managed care companies figured out that they were going to make more money by growing the program, by seeking out new clients, enrolling them, getting their $5,000 a month. And so the the program has grown leaps and bounds in the last 10 years under managed long-term care. So I don't think anybody can argue that the plans were somehow uh, keeping the program managed and uh, controlling growth. They were, in fact, viewing the opposite because they had a profit motive to do that under a managed fee-for-service system, the providers are not going to set uh, the level of care. So even though obviously they would have a financial incentive to provide more care and employ more workers, et cetera, they're not gonna get to make that decision. That's gonna be made separately by a simple care management entity, which is also not going to have a financial interest in how much services are provided. So we think it's actually a better system that's gonna be more fiscally responsible for the state to do it that way rather than allowing the plans to continue to grow the program by leaps and bounds.
0: Given the scope of the transition that you're proposing, how do you envision it actually taking place? Do we flip a switch and overnight the managed long-term care plans are are gone or or do you think this is something that has to happen uh, gradually?
1: Well, it has to be negotiated with the federal government because the federal government approved this program initially so it is going to take several years to make the transition. Once the law is passed, then uh, the state will begin the process of negotiating with the federal government, uh, getting approval for the new system, and then moving folks into that new system it shouldn't result in any changes for consumers with their aids, because the same providers can continue to provide the service, but the way those services are being paid for would change. So it would be a transition process. We think that also gives time for consumers, other stakeholders to weigh in and make sure the new system is set up properly.
0: What do you think about the idea that with a change of this magnitude that it should probably be tested out first in either some sort of pilot program or in some sort of limited uh, capacity? Is that worth getting, say, a federal waiver to test something like that out before making a, a big switch?
1: you know, we have elements of the system already. There is some home care that continues to be provided fee-for-service through the counties. And of course we had this system 10 years ago. So I don't think it's a a new idea that's completely untested. It's actually recognizing that the system that was set up 10 years ago is not working. It's not working for consumers. It's not working for taxpayers in the money that's being spent. And uh, we need to go back to a different system you know, we're going to add a new element with these care management entities, but we don't think it's something that is untested that would need to be tried first on a smaller scale.
0: Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Helen Schaub. They're the political director for 1199 SEIU. Helen, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.